It's January the 19th, 2011. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is Brendan Mellican. How are you? I'm okay. Today, Here we are today on 508, a show about Worcester. This is a weekly public affairs program in Worcester that's broadcast on the internet as well as on Channel 13. We have a lot of news today. We haven't done a show in about a month because of the holidays. Uh, usually our first show, the top story for the first show of the year, is for us to talk about the Pulse Magazine's Ones to Watch list, because so often the Ones to Watch list has had regulars on this show, or people we've interviewed. But this, this year, actually, I think the top story is the fact that Worcester made the front page of The Onion. Here it is, The Onion, the article, Neighborhood Kind of Hoping Panera Bread Shows Up and Plows Over Charming Local Bakery. Residents of Worcester's Grafton Hill neighborhood acknowledged Monday they would not necessarily mind a Panera Red franchise coming in and wiping out Callahan's, a charming family-run bakery that's been a fixture of their community since 1964. Thank you, Onion. How are you, Brendan? I'm spectacular. Welcome back. <clears throat> thanks. Thanks. It's a very uh, echoey room. Yeah, and today our light is being provided by... The sun. This, like, this is the, one of these seasonal affective disorder solving <laughs> sun-type lights. Um, my witness. Please come, please come to my master class on television lighting next week. <laughs> uh, here's what we're gonna talk about. Okay, we're gonna talk about some statistics. We're gonna talk about SOPA. We're gonna talk about a lot of new journalistic things in the city of Worcester. Potentially, we're gonna talk about snow days. We're gonna talk about local government. We're gonna talk about flats. I don't think we should talk about SOPA first. Yeah, I don't think you long. We'll ruin the whole thing. <clears throat> There's a lot of new journalistic outlets in the city of Worcester. Some students at Worcester State are doing something called the Worcester Spy. Uh, the Worcester, Worcester Spy is an old paper from back in the day, like back in the day, back in the day, run out of Worcester. And um, people oftentimes use, I've seen this a couple of times actually, yeah. people using the Spy. There was, was a like blog that was doing that for a while. There was a blog. It was a weird, it was like a hand-edited website. It wasn't really a blog so much as a website that was edited by hand to add articles. So I think mm. it's hard to manage that, but... Yeah, so I haven't actually seen this Worcester Spy yet. Um, also, the people who do the website Go Local Providence are going to be doing a website called Go Local Worcester. This is going to be cool because um, for the longest time we talk about how you know we need more journalism in the city of Worcester and that maybe some sort of online-only initiative could actually make some money and fund some journalism. This could be the thing. Um, right now, I feel like there's probably, for like from my, from you know, I often talk about like, Clay Shirky's idea of uh, a 5% solution, that rather than trying to replace the 85% of hard journalism being done by newspapers, that as newspapers maybe fade monetarily a little bit, it's better to actually come up with 17 5% solutions rather than one 85% solution. That would be like an article a day, basically, mm -hmm. from my account of the Telegram and Gazette. So I don't know. If Go Local Worcester provides an article a day of hard news... And they're like doing their job. That's and they, my thing. They actually seem to have some money behind them. Um, the, the guys, the founders uh, of, of the operation, uh, actually seem to understand like advertising, which would be and they've had a successful run in Providence financially. It seems after just a year, and they're bringing some real names like Natalie Jacobson. Seems to be taking over the um, the uh, video content for mm -hmm. them and what have you. Yeah, that I think is, is a little bit different as well than just like, hey, we've got a great idea for an online publication. I don't know. It shouldn't be the case that money, you know, changes everything. But at least in media, it seems as though that it is still the case. Well, if you're running a for-profit business, money is sort of the name of the game. You gotta have at some you, point in time. You gotta have the fuel if you want to drive the car. But uh, you know, I think we've talked about this around here too. That one of the difficulties in, in local media is the advertising sources are relatively limited. 
So you know your 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 ability to get topical is oftentimes limited by your uh, willingness to offend uh, advertisers. <laughs> the advertisers, <clears throat> yeah. either personally or you know politically or whatever the case may be. Uh, these folks seem to actually understand a larger sort of national uh, way to pull in advertising dollars online. Hmm. If they're able to do that, I mean, and not have to rely upon your local auto dealership, you, you might actually be able to do something that has a solid revenue stream without worrying about offending. So being able to do real investigative journalism. It'll be interesting to watch. It will be interesting to watch. Another thing is the Worcester Progressive. People are still working on this, right? I believe so. There was a meeting last <clears throat> week I wasn't able to right. get to, but... This is this idea that we should have a multiple thousand copies twice a month newspaper with progressive journalism in the city of Worcester. Um, there's an email list for it. I haven't gotten on the email list. I don't really know what's going on. But I'm really hoping that that's, this comes out soon. This would be cool. This is like three new brands. Plus, <clears throat> speaking of like beloved brands, Happiness Pony, new issue of Happiness Pony is also out this week. Uh, a lot of information about mammals, monkeys, bunnies, coyotes, covered from three different angles. In this month's happiness pony. All mammals. All mammals. All all cuddly furry mammals. Um, <clears throat> uh, on Saturday, there's a thing called Worcester Government 101 being held at uh, 911 Main Street, which is also where, where the Wu Church is done from 1 to 4 p.m. on Saturday. People who want to know about the city of Worcester Government could go to this. You could learn about the city of Worcester Government. I actually might kind of go just to like kibitz, kibitz the pro- presenters that's another reason to go if you think if you think you know go there and keep us the presenters and see if you know or not and it also seems as though you could learn how to mix religion and politics without actually violating any sort of uh, any sort of law who cares about those laws that's what <laughs> i say worcester according to forbes magazine is the second happiest city to work in in the country is it the second happiest city to work in or is it the second happiest city to have a job in <laughs> This like is like we could happen to be employed. I think they they like surveyed people about like what do you think about your job aspects of your job and do they make you happy etc. And like people in Worcester were like, my I like I like the whole part of working at my job. I like it all. It it, it makes me less depressed than going home. I don't <laughs> yes. even get this. This makes no. I don't even believe this. I feel like this survey is being done. Poorly. It actually ties in though with the other statistic that you're. Probably Which is that about. median income in the city of Worcester is down six point eight percent after the last thirty years. Over the last thirty years. Yeah. Number nineteen. Number nineteen in the Commonwealth in Better median than Lawrence. income. <laughs> Better than Lawrence. But I mean, that could actually be why people like their jobs so much. Is that without that job, Speaking they would of be Worcester slogan. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate slogan. I want that. Occupy Worcester. We need a banner over City Hall ASAP. That's Better than Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, that could You're be the saying. reason why people are happy in their jobs is that they have a job. <clears throat> hey, you know what? People, you know, people can people can get a lot, people can get through a lot in this world. I'm not going to criticize anybody for being happy with. What they have. Their situation. Be happy with their situation. I said. Even if you're in Lawrence. Even if you're in Lawrence. Speaking of Lawrence, Pulse Magazine, ones to watch list, twelve for 2012. Again, this is something that we've covered annually. I think since the year that you were on that list, you were like you and Cha Cha. I think maybe we were both on this list. However, were many you years ago. This, were you were. I was on this list like uh, last year, maybe the year before last. Oh, okay, yeah, it was a long time ago. <coughs> I was, I was, I no, nobody watches me anymore, unfortunately. We have twelve people this year. Um, the Pulse magazine. I don't even know what to say. Not aimed at my demographic. This is what I have to say. I don't really look at it, except we do look at it for this one. This year, the Pulse ones to watch list. Joe Serena Rodriguez, the Marketing and Resource Development Associate at the YWCA. Dan Donahue, Director of the Citizens Campaign to elect Tim Murray. Tim Murray, a whole other barrel of monkeys, but Dan Donahue on this list. 
John Keenan, the owner of RedCarpetWorcester.com. Something about promoting clubs. I don't know anything about these clubs in the city of Worcester. We're old. We are old. Here's another Democratic operative, Nora Keefe, the Worcester County Field Organizer for the Democratic Party State Committee. Charles Salters, the founder of Charles Salters Media uh, out of Lemonster. Patricia Malios, Community Youth Organizer at the Oak Hill CDC. <clears throat> Man, I don't know what is going on. It's this air, this bad air. At least we have this lighting, which is going to help us. Great lighting and echo. It's going to help us to, to have our melatonin levels be good. Sarah Day, the marketing manager of the St. Mary's Credit Union in Marlboro. Marlboro? Not watching her. This isn't the city of Worcester. This list is a fraud. Sean Dillon, principal of Nativity School of Worcester. Alex, oh. Where's Nicole when we need her? <laughs> Alex Haralambides, who is a great poet. He is a great, and just a great guy. And a great guy, and he teaches youth about spoken word. I always feel bad about Alex. I always feel bad about saying his name wrong because I feel like, like I have a long last name which is hard to pronounce. But man, this guy. You shouldn't really be like. We shouldn't be making fun of names if we're older than twelve, right? And He's I, punching but, above his weight, hard name wise. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Oh brother, no one. Olga Krasnuski, Krasnuski, Krasnuski. I don't know. Olga Krasnuski, owner of the Thai Island Restaurant. Patricia Paris, vo vocal and artistic. Co development coach Mitch Lee, Matt DeWolf, and Adam Chin, the founders of WooFood.org. I am so against this Woo thing. I don't know what to say. Anyway, that's who it is. People yeah. in Worcester, people to watch, people who are going to be under pervasive surveillance. Uh, constant eye for the next year. I don't think any of these people have ever been on this show. Should we change that, or is... we should probably get these dudes on the show? Plus, I just—is it does it mean we're less relevant? Does it mean the pulse is less relevant? Does it mean neither of us has ever been relevant? I these are hard questions. These are hard questions, Brendan. Hard, too hard of <clears throat> questions for this show. And why is the number shrinking now? <laughs> they just change it. Like in 2010, they—I think at one year there was like about 40 of them. Yeah. Then 2010, they clicked it back to 10. That was the year I think I was on there. 10 in 2010. This is an insane picture, too. The year I was on there also, they definitely were not all in the same place. This feels like they might have all been in the same doing? place. It's like a zombie thing. It's like the hands They're all, they're all attacking you. Maybe they weren't in the same place and they just told everybody, make some sort of hand gesture. And then when they put them all together, they were like, oh my God, it looks like a zombie attack. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not here to criticize the polls. I'm just here no. to tell you who to watch. Congratulations, everybody, for making it onto that list. Strong work. Yeah, good job. This week... On when, this week on Wednesday was SOPA strike. This is this thing. There are these anti-internet bills. They claim to be anti-other things bills. Basically anti-internet bills in the Senate and the House. That like all these congressmen were like, hooray, let's, let's screw up the net. And then there was a day where basically all these websites put big things that this was bad legislation. Wikipedia put this up there. Google put this up there. A lot of places like this put this up there. And uh, we saw a ton of congressmen flip in a 24-hour period on these bills, which is cool. A little bit of a Worcester angle on this, of course. This has been a hard one. You know, this has been a hard one, I feel like, for the mainstream media mm -hmm. to cover. I mean, just say Tech this. stuff is still hard. I mean, is that, <clears throat> unless you're talking about Steve Jobs uh, or, you know, the next generation of the iPad, it's really still difficult for mainstream press to cover technology. Or Craigslist theft. I saw the TNG on, the website, on their website today has an article about some sort of... Uh, it's, there was a fraud on Craigslist. 
Well, we need to demonize Craigslist now that all the hookers are gone. They we always still need to find other angles to go at them. We, I think it's we need to demonize Craigslist since they ate our lunch in classified ads. <laughs> That's why they run gratuitous Craigslist fraud yes. things. No one's ever been scammed except on Craigslist. People just realize this. Okay. Anyway, um, there's a uh, uh, but but at the same time, like this isn't just some sort of like weird geeky internet thing because like dozens of congressmen changing their position on an issue in a day. It could actually be one like, of, like the biggest affronts to <clears throat> free speech that we've seen in our lifetimes. The, the, are them changing their mind on this? No, the, so, the whole soap, the, the SOPA. the whole SOPA thing. Yes, I, I guess what I'm saying though is that like. This is a hard story to cover for the mainstream press. As, as, the, as the most mainstream of the mainstream media in Worcester, let me confess, a hard story for us to cover. A hard story <laughs> to cover, but at the same time, when you have dozens of congressmen flipping in a 24-hour period, that's like, I mean, that's like as real as real gets as far as your telegrams are concerned. It's congressmen changing their mind. So I think it's kind of awesome, and I want to cover the two local angles to this. Mm-hmm. There, was a, there was TNG articles today, but they missed like, first of all, they missed the obvious local angle, which is that, uh, the first, the first shot, the first skirmish in this war, I think, was the Free Bieber campaign mm-hmm. of last fall, which was launched by the I will call it the distributed team organization called Fight for the Future. I say Worcester-based organization called Fight for the Future, but also big YourSopaStrike.com, such other websites. Yesterday, big players in this run by Fight for the Future. One of one of, and again, speaking of punching far above your weight. And it just the Worcester connection is awesome, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I would actually even say, Brendan Milliken, um, I did a little bit of work for Fight for the Future in the last 12 months. We should be commended for that. Not enough work to brag about, but enough work that because I'm a journalist, I have to disclose it. That's mm-hmm. the best kind of brag. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of cool. It's a good job, people of Worcester, all the people in Worcester who work for Fight for the Future and who otherwise coordinated, who shut down your blocks, especially if you called your congressman and told them, this is not cool. The other thing is Jim McGovern. So I went in with a small group of Worcester people last Friday to talk to Jim McGovern about this. He said, he said, oh, I've been getting lobbied hard that I've got to support this thing. And we were like, this is not good news. you got to not support this. And he was like, well. And he gave us a thing which is basically like, I won't vote for this version of it. But he didn't really seem, it wasn't a very strong statement. Like saying, I'm not going to vote for the law as written, considering the laws are constantly being revised all the way up right. until the deadline, is just kind of like a little on the weasel wordish side. But his actual statement that came out like the day of the SOPA strike was a much stronger statement that mm-hmm. like expressed a certain comprehension of the issues involved and a much stronger statement. And I was just really thought it was really cool that McGovern like I don't know thought it over, talked with his people about it, and said, "All right, we gotta we gotta Here's where we stand. We gotta we gotta we gotta have a little bit stronger of a position on this one." So there you go, a little bit of a Worcester connection on the big SOPA strike. Very important stuff. Now, you're a big fan of SOPA, so tell me why. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of SOPA. Maybe, like, I, give me your contrarian argument on this one. I actually despise everything that SOPA and PIPA is. I despise the RIA. I despise the MPA. I mean, these are not new organizations. I think it, one of the sad things that a lot of Americans are probably like hearing about these organizations for the first time as a result of this. I mean, these have been like the enemy of uh, any sort of uh, free distribution of content and what have you. Um, or even just uh, you know well-regulated distribution of content for, for a decade now. I mean, it's, when did mp3.com pop up? I mean, it's been over 10 years now. Right? I mean, we've been fighting this for a long time now, not a new thing. Oh, the, the MPAA campaigned hard against the, v, the existence of the VCR. When Mr. Rogers was actually out, you know, testifying before Congress on behalf of VCRs, right? I mean, so that was a great way to introduce children to... Yeah, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. So... You know, people, they, they, they hear the MPAA, and it's now Chris Dodd with his big smile. You know, I mean, a very popular senator. Creepy smile, I would call it. 
Uh, yeah, but Americans like creepy smiles. A ghoulish smile. It is a ghoulish smile. Uh, that's true. See yeah. also Newt Gingrich. So I mean, let's yeah, let's first take a look at like what the MPA is, right? It's a censorship organization. The MPA is the is the organization that rates your movies so that you and I can't see interesting foreign films. That's the only reason they exist. But they exist because now don't they? Well, that's the reason they, they came into existence. Yes. Now they're, 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 they make far more money actually lobbying on behalf of, con, <clears throat> of, of content owners incumbent, and copyright owners. Incumbent content creators, we should say. Right. So they've spent... And here's where I'm going with this, right? I despise what their, their goal is here with Sokol and Pipa, but I also am looking at the bigger picture as to the amount of money that they're spending lobbying Congress. Upwards of... I mean, we're approaching the $100 million mark as far as I saw it earlier this week in terms sure. of what's been spent just recently. Um, and in all likelihood, both of these bills will be, you know, uh, SOPA in, in Congress, uh, in, in the House, PIPA in the Senate, will probably be sidelined indefinitely. It, it would appear now with the, the way support is peeling off. Yeah. But an organization like the MPAA, a very savvy former politician like Chris Dodd, I, I do not believe are just going to walk away from their $100 million investment in Congress on an issue this big right. and say, oh, we lost. <clears throat> right, so we'll, we'll try again some other time or maybe we learned our lesson. I think what people need to, to focus on is the other bills that are out there that are going to be far more damaging and folks like Jim McGovern won't be able to actually come out against. And that's uh, the one uh, that's out there now is H.R. 1981, right? And that's an anti-child pornography bill, mm-hmm. which has been in uh, held up in committee for uh, over uh, almost a year now. Um, and, but it was it, if you read it, it looks as though it was almost designed to have the language from SOPA or PIPA tacked onto the end of it. Um, and because it's an incomplete bill and then roll it back out and what congressperson is then going to turn around and say oh I'm now going to come out in defense of child pornography right. um, we, should point out that, we should point out that SOPA and PIPA despite being to my mind fundamentally anti-internet bills are, are spun as anti-piracy uh, bills right. in fact well actually both of them involve like no end of propaganda terms first of all piracy in this case, not actually Somali guys with AK-47s <laughs> or people with parrots and peg legs, but uh, as awesome as that would be. Would in this case, that. it would be uh, uh, copying DVDs that you don't own the rights to, or things like this. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm, then the other one is intellectual property, intellectual prop, protect in protecting intellectual property again. You see, I, intellectual property, I another can't propaganda do any of this any justice in the half hour and whatever time. We could go we on and on for, forever. People and can tell there's I so much buried frustration. Major issues this. with copyright laws it stands today. Right. I don't have major <clears throat> issues with piracy as it stands today, and I think the, the record industry and the movie industry have flawed business models that haven't caught up with this century, and that's where their problems are. It's out of laziness. But ultimately, what I'm getting at is I actually support the idea of SOPA or PIPA uh, coming through. Uh, either in this form, a passing either in this form or uh, down the line for the sole purpose of the internet kind of needs to be destroyed, right? Like, and this is where I think there's some degree of genius where we had yesterday, <clears throat> Wednesday, you had a, a lot of activism come together on a very focused idea. And it was, mm-hmm. it was the, the right thing to do. It was the correct thing to do. But it kind of misses the point entirely in that it seems as though the record industry and the movie industry have finally figured out the way the internet works. And they specifically attacked the one weakness in the internet that allows their goals to be met. And that's the DNS system. And that's something that needs to be changed. And there is no way to just try and out-legislate legislators when it comes to fixing the internet. That's a technical problem. And it's a technical problem that's been ignored for a long period of time now. And I'm kind of of the mindset now with the amount of regulation internationally that's taking place 
on the internet, whether it be the Great Firewall of China or now our own American, you know, Great Firewall Proposed. of whatever. Um, maybe it's time to just take a big step back and say, you know, as a com- as a communications medium, the internet has now become uh, cable, right? It's now just a delivery service for folks who are. You know, it's Facebook. It's whatever. It's just a recirculating of, of whatever happens. Wait to a second. Are you saying it's become this, or you're saying that that we should basically say? I'm okay, saying it's become that. That we should say, okay, to... if you guys want to turn the internet into cable, go ahead and turn the internet into the cable. And meanwhile, people will build other protocols that route around like, your nonsense. The internet that exists today, for it to be fully <clears throat> functional, needs to be repaired in a major way that probably isn't going to happen on its own. So it might actually be time to hang this one up and move on to another communications network that can actually be thought through in advance in a way that isn't going to be open to uh, legislative and regulatory attacks uh, at the whims of lobbyists. I mean, that's ultimately the problem here. Isn't that, you know, we've got a flawed copyright system and we've been, that's a battle that's been fought since the constitution was penned, right? I mean, that, that's, and it hasn't been fixed at all at, at that point. The problem is that we have a communications network that the entire world has begun to rely upon uh, as their primary source of communication. And it's fundamentally, it's fundamental flaw is that it can actually be shut down by government regulators. Well, we don't want to, maybe that's not the thing to be defending. Like maybe the thing to be defending is uh, a new communications network that cannot be shut down on a whim by government regulators. And that's not to discredit all the hard work that's gone into this because these two bills suck. But they are also highlighting that we have a major problem with the internet and it's not going to fix itself. And at some point in time, regulators and legislatures are going to have their way with the internet and there needs to be a plan B. So I think like if, if either of these bills were down the line, another version of these, these bills were to come through and pass, that's the best chance that we're going to see in our lifetimes actually rebuilding a communications network that may be reminiscent of what we imagined the internet was when we were first introduced to it in the late ni- you know, mid to late 90s. That is that it was a mysterious, instructable... And it was mysterious and, you know, sort of thing because it was still being formed and whatnot. But, you know, we've made a few decisions along... I'm saying we as though I was involved. The decisions were made along the way. Uh, <laughs> if that... you had been... Only been... You had been consulted, Brendan, then... No, but I mean, that's the thing. I don't think anybody had the foresight <laughs> to realize that this communications network would end up becoming a major distribution point for... Um, copyrighted content that owners would then start to be criticizing uh, and, and, and critiquing and trying to regulate when the issue is with copyright law, not the communications network, but because that communications network has these fundamental flaws, it can be attacked uh, very easily by overzealous uh, regulators. We're not going to fix that. So again, the point is like we need to be working on a plan B regardless. And maybe SOPA is, the, <coughs> is going to end up becoming the catalyst to start getting that underway, a network that we can actually rely upon that isn't going to be squashed at the whim of you know, a, a, a despot or you know, an overzealous lobbying group. Does that make any sense at all? It does. You know, I feel like on these, I feel like on these <laughs> issues, I feel like on these issues that if you get this, people totally understand what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes. If you don't get this, this just is this one of those times where we're supposed to apologize to the people who only get their news from five away. I don't know. This is something that like, I feel like this is how it was when we were talking to our con- Congressman McGovern. Is that like there was a certain point where it was like, you know what, we would have to give you like a ninety-minute lecture about how we see the world in order to take this to the next level of argument. That like, yeah, like unless you have certain, I don't know, that there are certain perspectives that like if you're thinking about this all the time you get and if you're not thinking about this all the time 
you don't get. And there's probably you know, quick shorthand to get over that jump, but I don't know what it is. We're still talking about bootleg <clears throat> you know, records and, uh, and, and movies, right? I mean, that's the catalyst in theory behind this bill. But in, in other parts of the world, this exact same network uh, that was thought to be relatively secure, we find out that American companies are selling uh, you know, uh, security infiltration software um, to uh, regimes like Syria and whatnot, yeah. where activists are getting disappeared because of their communications that they thought were secure, but actually weren't because the government is able to use man everything from a man-in-the-middle attack to yeah. whatever. Again, yeah, this is a network problem. And if this network is going to be the thing that we all rely upon for what we believe to be our secure and important communications, but the government actually has the ultimate upper hand and backdoor to all of this, you know, maybe the, the, the perspective is lost here in the U.S. because, again, we're talking about, you know, movies. You know, we're talking about uh, a free speech argument, whereas in other parts of the world, people are actually losing their lives over this communications medium that might not actually be what we think it is or all that it's cracked up to be. I want to say one more thing. <laughs> I ruined um, the show again. I'm sorry. Oh, whatever. I ruined the show before you even got a chance to, Brendan. Um, just to milk this McGovern visit for a little bit more time on the show. People have actually been asking me this week, should I call Jim McGovern and tell him to oppose this kind of stuff? Just tell him, stand strong with the internet, stand strong with freedom. People have been asking me this as though I would have any idea. But my feeling is, yes, you should call him. Even though he has a good position on this, you should call him because I feel like this hasn't been high on his radar. I want to see Jim McGovern become a holy warrior for digital freedom. Yeah. If people call him, keep calling him, maybe he makes that connection in his mind. Well, I just That's made I the hope. same mistake multiple times while discussing that, right? I mean, this isn't a copyright bill. This is a free this is a, a free speech bill. <clears throat> this, is, this is all about freedom of speech. And that's, the, that's the, the focus that needs to be, that's where the light needs to be shown, right? I mean, we're talking about movies, we're talking this about... This is where all this... But it's not really about copyright. It's about access to information. This it's is just, where all these stupid <clears throat> propaganda terms come in, like right. intellectual property, which is like a legitimate term, except that it somehow implies that intellectual property is something like a kind of property... But intellectual property has no properties that are anything like property commonly understood. And so it's like the worst. It's a great term if you want to confuse people about what you're talking about. Exactly. Same thing with piracy. That, you know, if you want to make people think that this involves like pirates. It's a very great. loaded term. right? I it's mean, incredibly loaded term and not a helpful term. At all. Right. What we're talking about is free speech. And we're talking about the government's ability to, to silence somebody because they disagree with what they're saying. We're, we're, we're blacking out 508 now as a symbol of something. <laughs> also, Flats Pizza Place was sold. Do you like, do you like, you ever eat that place? Never went there. Man, I love it. I'm I love sorry. that place. They had, you know, because they had like, they had all your local stuff, your local produce, your local whatever's mm -hmm. for their pizza. Plus, like, they had these very credible vegan items. Mm -hmm. Like, you could tell that, like, they thought through these vegan items of, like, what would be a dignified food that an adult would want to eat that would just happen to not have animal stuff in it. And now they're, like, sold, and maybe they're going to continue in the same vein, and they're probably going to change the name or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's the kind of place that I'm like, man, why didn't I eat there every single week while they were open? This is called Issue Whiplash. Issue Whiplash. <laughs> yeah, by the way. Brendan, we got three minutes to go. What else do we have to talk about? There's nothing else to talk about. Snow days. I don't even want to talk about snow days. Well, we're going to talk about this the next time that there's some sort of issue involving the superintendent comes up. Snow. I want to see a superintendent who stands up and says, our new policy is you live in New England, get over it. No snow days, ever. I would agree with that. You know? Kids are getting soft. 
<laughs> I was your age. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Why? It's snow. You know, do, do the pilgrims have snow days? Uh, do the pilgrims have public schools? The pilgrims lived during like the, the little ice age or something, didn't they? <laughs> With dinosaurs? What? No, you know, like but the, there mountains. was like a miniature ice yeah. age in there. But did they, I don't know if they had a public <clears throat> school system and a DPW director. That's a... All steps backwards since then. Yeah. Basically, this is a reactionary show. Also, there's a great, potentially a great article about the Conservation Commission in uh, Worcester Magazine this week, which I'm just so tired and busy I haven't read, but I'm looking forward to it. Brendan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I think we're going to have a great... I'm looking forward to having a great 2012 on this show. I'm looking forward to having more guests. More energy. More energy. Fewer shows of just you and me. More guests and more exciting guests. Less complaining about the city council. At least twelve. We have twelve people to watch that we need to we need to track down and get them. These on twelve this. people. That's have them on our show. This is our no agenda. This year. Well, we usually have comedians. Alex Harambilides is pretty funny. It's a comedic face that guy. All these guys look like a bunch of jokers. Mm-hmm. Everybody, thanks for watching the show. If you have any comments or complaints, you can email us at pieandcoffee at gmail and tell us whether you like the show or not. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is Brendan Malikin. Thank you, and we'll talk thanks to you next watching. week.